I had this thought this week that, that I see myself not so much as a fine diamond. I don't know about you. I, now, I want to, and I want to be a person who walks in faith and sees with the eyes of faith. But I'll be honest with you. I, most of the time, I feel like a diamond in the rough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, Randall, can you bring that picture up? we got a picture here. This is a diamond in the rough. I don't know what you know about diamonds. I just did a little research just to, just to read and see what it is. But that right there is a diamond in the rough. It looks nothing like the jewelry that you're going to see on, on somebody's finger or around the wrist or on a, a, you know, a brooch or whatever. But that is what a diamond looks like in the natural. Now, let me just say something. Whether, whatever your theory or your belief is about the age of the earth... Uh, according to scientists and geologists, to, for a carbon to be compressed to the point that it, that it actually becomes and takes on these qualities, takes somewhere around 2 billion, someone say billion, somewhere around 2 billion years to produce. In other words, it's not just something that happens overnight. It's not just something that grows up in a week. This is something that takes a long time to produce. Say, in Jesus' name, I understand that I am a diamond. Now, here's the thought that occurred to me. I tend to see myself like this. Uncut, unrefined, not quite beautiful, But at least a diamond in the rough. Because I know this. God is working on something. Amen? So at least I know the fact that the raw materials are there. Even though they may not be fully realized yet. I know God is working on something. But here's how God sees me. God sees me like this. I want you to show the next picture. This is how God sees me. And let me tell you something. That's not bragging on me. That's bragging on God. Because only God can see what man cannot. Now, we sang that song, Mingo Hosea, and talking about, I want to see with the eyes. I want to see that which is unseen. I want to be able to see into that. But could you this morning, for a moment, reach forward? Now, listen, you got to do this with the eyes of faith and a mentality of faith. Could you possibly reach forward into that which you are becoming and believe that God already sees you like this? God already sees you cut. Already sees you polished. Already sees you finished. Did you know that particular design as a diamond came about in the early 1900s when a mathematician of all people. So if you're a math person, woohoo, go go math people. I love the show Numbers. Anybody into Numbers? Uh, That's my show. But, But if you're into math... It was actually a mathematician who dabbled in jewelry and enjoyed the, he enjoyed the mathematics of jewelry. I didn't know there was mathematics. Did you? Me and Richard, we learn something new every day, don't we? We're never too old to learn. But he actually dabbled in jewelry and, and worked on mathematics, used mathematics applied so that he could find the best proportions, the best cut in order to enhance the brilliance of a stone. And so he's the one who developed this particular shape. And what he did is he realized that mathematics applied, and he came up with these, this long stream of formulas, mathematics applied to this actually would bring out the brilliance and the clarity in a diamond that none other could. Now, it's interesting that some of the most expensive and highly valued diamonds are not actually the clearest and best cut. 
because actually uh, if you cut a diamond properly to get the most brilliance out of it, uh, it actually will weigh less. You'll lose some of the mass, which that's the carat weight of a diamond. Now, I start talking about carrots. Some women are about to start having heart palpitations in here. But, but actually to have the most carat, the most weight, you actually lose some of the brilliance. So it's interesting that what we as humans value is not actually what is the best. But let me tell you what God values. God values that which is the most clear, that which is the most brilliant, that which is the most weight, that which shines the brightest. So that diamond you see cut right there is actually perfectly cut in as much as can be because here's the thing about a diamond. Every diamond is unique. There are no two on the earth. It is not done with machines. It is done with hands. And it is done by master craftsmen. So what you hold in your hand is not an example of master artwork or craftsmanship. It is simply a reminder. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we got together. In fact, you can leave that up there because I want to refer to that. We talked about three areas. If you want to know what Grace Point Church is about, it's three simple things. It's about connecting. Okay? And we gave everybody a puzzle piece. Anybody still have their puzzle piece? Gave you a puzzle piece because when we all connect together, we create a, a picture. We all come together to create one beautiful thing. And so we are a part of the puzzle. Now, last week we talked about we connect the first week, we grow. Now our whole idea is about discipleship and it's about growing. And that which is healthy finds that it grows and it expands. But nothing grows apart from a seed being planted uh, Angel Bradbury shared something really insightful this morning in our prayer time. By the way, we meet for prayer at 930. We'd love to have you if you're not in class or something. But she shared this. She said, you know, if you're going to get a radical harvest, you've got to sow a radical seed. I think I need to say that again because somebody needs to hear that this morning. I, I needed to hear that. It was encouraging to me. And listen to this. Like seed bears like fruit or like harvest. So what do you need? What do you need in your life? Well, whatever you need, that's the seed you need to sow. And you need to sow a radical seed if you want a radical harvest. Amen? And so we talked about growing last week. If we're talking about being disciples and, and we want to, to become disciples and grow in discipleship, I need to sow discipleship. I need, if I want to be a disciple, I need to make disciples. There's a powerful principle here that when we sow into the ground radically, we re- reap radically. And if I want to become the disciple Jesus has called me to be, and I want to grow, that means I need to help and foster others' growth. I need to help others grow by sowing into them. Does that make sense? Now, this week, we're going to talk about the third component of this, connect, grow, and the third part of our mission, and that's the diamond. That's what I want you to hold on to, and it's this issue of serving. Serving. Let me, let me give you the definition. In fact, the, it's interesting that the word diamond or, or what we get from that, listen to this. I, I think this is fascinating. The word diamond comes from the Greek name Adamus. Adamus. And it literally means proper, unalterable. Do you know it's one of the hardest known naturally occurring minerals? It's the, it's the hardest known mineral to man, naturally occurring. 
That's why you'll see a, a diamond carbide tip blade. And they're expensive, but they last much longer. And they're almost difficult, almost impossible to wear out. Listen to this. It means proper. It means unalterable. It means unbreakable. Anybody here want to be unbreakable? I don't know about you. I want to be unalterable, unmovable, unbreakable, unshakable. Well, let me tell you something. That's how I'm created to be right there. And some of you this morning, if you walk away with nothing else but that image in your mind and say, this is who I am in Christ. Now, I'm a diamond in the rough right now in the natural. I'm becoming. But in Christ, I'm already there. Interesting principle here of seeing with the eyes of faith because... In Christ, we're already in heavenly places and we're already ruling and reigning. And some of you look at me like, I don't feel like I'm ruling and reigning. Well, I didn't ask you how you felt. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so here's the deal. It's a mental shift. It's a, it's a matter of perspective. In fact, when you look at a diamond at a different angle, you'll get a different perspective every time. You'll see a different facet. It's amazing. I can have, I don't know if you ever have bad days. I don't know if you ever have bummer mornings. Some of you look tired this morning, like you played volleyball out in 98 degree heat yesterday or something. Somebody just looked tired like you sat outside and hung out with the flies yesterday. <laughs> hey, by the way, we had a great picnic, did we not? Was that not a lot of fun? It was awesome. Awesome. And for those of you who were not able to make it, I'm sorry, but oh, you missed a great time. We had an awesome time, and I'm not going to talk about the volleyball game. I'm not. I am not. I'm not. I'll just say that we enjoyed ourselves immensely. And those who did not win. No, listen. Those who did not win the championship. Let me say, they, listen, they lost with class. They, I'm, say, I'm, I'm not making fun. I'm serious. They showed class and poise, and I'm proud of them. We had a great time together. But li- listen to this. As we were all hanging out together, out enjoying each other, I, this was on my mind all day about the diamond. As I was looking out, here's a, it's a shift of perspective. As I looked out at you, and I didn't say it, but I was watching. I was going, there's a diamond. There's a diamond. Uh, there, that one's rough. But there's a diamond. <laughs> Actually, I was looking in a mirror. There's a di- But let me tell you something. The process of taking a diamond in the rough and producing something that's brilliant, something that's beautiful, it takes this. It takes a master craftsman. And let me just say something about you. Everybody looking at me, engage. You cannot, nor do you have to, become who Jesus called you to be on your own. And if you try, you will live with a sense of immense failure. You'll feel like, I never measure up. I never make it. Perfectionism will kill you. It will destroy you from the inside out. But you have a master craftsman that is working on something. I I remember years ago, we had planted a church in Brownwood, Texas. And, oh, folks, it was rough. We were all, we were in the rough. But let me tell you something. All 30 of us were excited about Jesus. Man, we were on fire. We were rough around the edges. But I remember repeating this phrase. And I kept saying it. God's working on something. God's working on something. We may not be able to see it right now, but God's working on something. We may not be able... Let me tell you something. That little group of people, a bunch of college students, we didn't know what we were doing. We were all clueless. But look, 
thank God for the Holy Spirit who knows what He's doing in spite of the fact that we don't. Amen? And as we met together and worshiped together and dreamed and believed, let me tell you something, no less than six or seven of them are full-time ministers right now. Now, that, that church, I mean, we could have looked back on that situation. It, it rose, it fell. We went through difficult times. And it would be real easy to walk away from something like that and go, gosh, we failed. We failed. But not a week goes by that I don't get a note, an email, or a Facebook message from somebody that came out of that little church that struggled that little church that believed, that little group of people who had a dream, not a week goes by that I don't get something from somebody who came out of that and whose life was impacted. Why? Because what we saw was all in the rough, but what God saw was that right there. Could you this morning, could you today somehow look beyond, listen to me, could you somehow look beyond your current circumstance and begin to see who you really are? Could you possibly, by faith, and let me tell you something, it's by faith. It would be easy if it was by feelings. Because there are days that I wake up and my joints don't hurt. This morning was not one of them. Actually, I feel pretty good. I feel actually really good. There are days that, 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 that I wake up and I'm in a good mood when I wake up, even before I've had coffee. Yeah, hey, it's possible. Do you guys drink coffee? Wow, Starbucks generation. I had my first cup of coffee when I was 30 years old. I hadn't missed a cup since. I've made up for lost time. There are days I wake up when it is well with my soul. But let me tell you something. It doesn't take faith on those days. It doesn't. You just, you just feel good. You just, you're having a day. I'm walking on sunshine. I'm having a good day. I mean, I'm, I, I'm just dancing to the oldies. I'm having a good time. But let me tell you what most days bring. Most days I wake up wondering about things. Most days I wake up before the alarm goes off. Because of stress, because I'm thinking, because something has happened, because something is occupying my mind and encroaching upon my peace and threatening my, 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 my peace of mind. And, and it is not always well with my soul. On those days, those are the days that I have to walk by faith and not by sight. And when somebody asks me how I'm doing, I don't go, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> sorry. Let me tell you, I'm th- that's why it's a little loud. I, let me tell you, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw up. Folks, let me tell you something about being transparent. When I was not a Christ follower and I didn't know what I know, that there's a real heaven, there's a real God, there's a real Jesus who bled real blood for my sins and that my sins have been forgiven and he died once for all. And that when I sin, it's already covered, not an excuse to, a reason not to sin. That's what grace is. Now that I know all of that, I can say, it's a good day. Not based on how I feel, not based on my moment, but based on God is good. And His mercy endures forever. Is my circumstance good? Answer, no. Do I feel good right now? No. No. 
Do I believe it's all going to work out in my flesh? No. In my spirit, yes. Do I think it's going to happen tomorrow? Probably not. But do I believe that God is working on something? Absolutely, unequivocally, yes. And some of you today need to apprehend by faith who you are, who God is, and that He is working on your behalf. We learned this when we did the Roman series. If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you possibly, through the eyes of faith, look at that and go, that's who I am. I may feel like a diamond in the rough, but that's who I am. That's how God sees me. God don't make no junk, folks. How's that for a college graduate and a master's degree? I don't care about the grammar. It's just good truth. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse, start in verse 8. You don't have to put your shoes on, but do stand. As we read the Word of God and we give honor to God's Word. I know all of you are all comfortable and all spread out. <laughs> you got everything laid out. Ooh, I'm in the groove. Ephesians chapter 2. You can look at the screen if you don't have your Bible. If you do have your Bible, I encourage you to use it. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be reading out of the New King James Version today. We're going to give first place to the Word. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace, someone say grace. grace. You know what that is? That is a grace point. That's a point of grace. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Faith. There it is. Wait, I don't feel saved today. I know. I don't feel saved some days. I feel pretty saved today. I might not have yesterday. I may not tomorrow feel saved, but you know what? I'm saved by faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. So it doesn't matter how I feel, I'm saved. Amen? Amen. That's what faith is. It's believing. It's standing. Irregardless of what our emotions tell us. Amen? Amen? Your emotions are like the barometric pressure on a West Texas afternoon in the spring. Up and down. Amen? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. Whoa, whoa, you mean I didn't save myself? Wait a minute, I found Jesus. Oh no, (laughs) wrong. Jesus found you. Wait, I decided to follow Jesus. Wrong. Jesus found you. Don't give yourself too much credit. Oh, we used to sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. 17 verses in a row until somebody came forward out of pity. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. A little. <laughs> there were times. If we were in revival, we waited, okay? How many of y'all remember revival services? We scheduled revivals. We scheduled the move of God. Amen? God will be here in October, the week of October. <laughs> But until then, you're on your own. Here we go. I'm just kidding. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. There's nothing you did to be saved other than go, yes. I wasn't too big about the I've decided to follow Jesus, but I did love the I surrender all. Because that's what it's about. God moves on us and we surrender. Yes, Lord. We we wave the metaphorical, allegorical white flag. We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Y'all learned about that in your class this morning, Lordship. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, 
In talking about serving, we don't serve to get brownie points with God. At least we're not supposed to. Unfortunately, if we're not careful, because most of us have been raised with a strong work ethic, I'm wondering these days in our nation, but most of us have been raised with a strong work ethic, and it really is. You work eight hours, you get paid for eight, right? Unless you, have a, unless you graduate with a college degree and you're 22 years old, then you think you work eight and get paid for 700, right? <laughs> Joking. All right. That wasn't funny. <laughs> to this side of the room. All right, listen. There's nothing you can do to be any more saved than you are. There's nothing you can do to get God's attention. But we try. We try. Let me just tell you what I do want to do. I want to please my father. I do. I want him to be pleased. I want him to be blessed. Have you ever just blessed God without asking for something? Oh, God, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. It almost feels weird if you haven't done it. You should try that. Oh, Lord, you're so awesome. I just bless you. I don't want anything. just want to tell you you're awesome. When's the last time you went to God without a list? Wow, I just want to say, wow. Go, God. Amen? Amen? Verse 10, then I'll let you sit down. I'm standing too, so hang in there. For we are his workmanship. Someone say workmanship. workmanship. Now say this with me. Say, I am, I am. a masterpiece. masterpiece. Look what it says about this workmanship here. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for Good works for service, for good works. We've been created to do something. We're not just saved from hell. We don't get a fire insurance policy when we get born again. We're not saved from, we're saved to and for. Does that make sense? All right. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Remember the Old Testament? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Created beforehand. And now I spend the rest of my life finding those steps. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. Your words are life. And we receive them by faith. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen Amen and amen. Let me just share some things with you. I want to give you the definition of serve. It means this. To perform duties. Oh, boy, that's dutiful. Okay? If I'm going to serve you, I'm going to perform a duty. Very very, uh, cut and dried there. Or acts or services for another. But I like this definition a little better. The last part of this. To lay down your will, desire, or preferences. Somebody can answer that. To lay down your will, desire, or preferences for the good of another. What do you think in terms of when we talk about what we want you to do at Grace Point Church is to connect. We want you to connect. That's what yesterday was all about, by the way. By the way, yesterday wasn't deep. It was just fun. You think it's okay to have fun as Christ followers? I hope so, because I had a lot of fun. If not, I'm in trouble with God. We want you to grow. We offer opportunities, many opportunities. Life groups connect. In fact, right there on those tables, right behind you, you can see sticking up on those sheets. Those are all of our life groups, and we want you to connect. We want you to to explore. We want you to attend one, two, or three of them. Find your fit. Find your place. But connect. We also want you to grow. And that's, that's what life groups are about, giving you a place, a platform, a seed bed, so to speak, a greenhouse effect where you can go in and grow. 
Wednesday nights, we have a group in here, and we have 40, 50 people show up on Wednesday night just right here, just for Bible study. Get in the Word. We do worship. We have children meeting in the other end, youth meeting, our awesome youth meeting down the other end, getting discipled, taught. We have ample opportunity to grow. But we also want you to serve. What would be the point of connecting, growing, and then not serving? No, 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 wait. I'll take two out of the three. I'm I'm batting 66% and a third. 66 and and two-thirds percent. Connect, grow, serve. Look what it says. To lay down your will, desire, or preferences for the good of another. And listen, we're not talking about the big stuff because we get all caught up in, oh, we've got to do an outreach. We've got to do an outreach. We've got to go win the city. No, no, no. It may just be holding the door open for somebody. That's serving somebody. In that moment, you're, you're putting somebody else's will before you, somebody else's need, somebody else's moment. You're preferring them. And you're stepping back and going, no, you go first. Do you know some have forgotten what that means? Anybody had a door let go on them lately? I saw a mom walking down the hall this morning with three children, tiny, one, in, one baby. And, and I thought she shouldn't have made it in that door carrying that baby. I mean, my gosh, super mom. I'm like, I think you could handle three or four more, though. I mean, the way she was moving. And I walked out. I said, can I get that for you? And I just helped her down the room. No big deal. All I did was, because I needed to be someplace else, is I went, oh, oh I, that can wait. This is, <laughs> this is important. What I'm talking about here today is very practical. And it's so practical that we're so spiritual, we miss it sometimes. Holding a door, opening a door, greeting somebody, smiling. When was the last time you just smiled at somebody? You know, our world has gotten so strange that it's almost like if you smile, you're, you're, you're saying something. Oh, well, you've got to be careful, you know. Don't make eye contact. Really? We've lost the human factor, have we not? The engagement factor. I'm going to give you some practicals about serving. Let me share some things with you. Number one, if, you, if you, God's working on something, listen, God sees who you are in Christ, not who you are in this moment. That's, that should encourage somebody because some of us don't feel real great in this moment. But let me tell you who God sees. He sees that diamond. He sees you finished. Gideon was the least of the least in his clan. He was a nobody. And here he was hiding, hiding, hiding and working so that no one would see him. And as the enemy came up, you know, he would be hiding. And all the enemy could see was grain going up in the air because he's hiding behind a wall. You can't thresh grain very effectively if you're on your knees, on your face, hiding, crouching. And the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon and says... Calls him, hey, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, who, me? He's looking around. There's nobody else around. The least of the least. He even says, I'm the least of the least. And the angel of the Lord says, no, no. You're a man of valor. You're a man of valor. You're a man of character. Why? Because God was calling those things that were not as though they are. That's how God works. So whatever you're feeling about yourself today... Look, God doesn't feel that about you right now. God sees you as a diamond going, wow. Oh, oh. In two years, when this, when this facet, if I don't trip, in two years, when this facet gets cut, 
you're going to be spectacular. You, you should see the light that's going to come out of you when I cut that angle and when we polish that edge. And unfortunately, when we knock that edge off, because a diamond in the rough needs some edges knocked off. Can I get an amen? Some of us are getting some edges knocked off. And it's painful in the process, but it's necessary. Number two, you have something unique to give that, to give that no one else can give. Why? Because you're unique. No two alike. It's funny, if you've been around people, I'm real observant. I'm like a information, take it all in, observe, watch. Love LAX Airport. You talk about a fun place to people watch. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm like, oh, we're diverting to LAX. Woohoo! I'm the only one on the plane excited, all right? Lay over in LAX, how long? You know, I'm like, yeah. And uh, I love airports. I love sitting and watching people. And I'll just watch and I'll play the game and try to figure out their life, you know, just by their appearance. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of people kind of look alike. Have you ever noticed that? Characteristics and features. And you'll see people and you go, wow, that looks just like somebody I know. And you'll think, maybe I do know. No, all it is, is it's characteristics and features. But at the end of the day, no two alike. God created you, broke the mold. There's not another one like you, nor will there ever be. You're unique. You know what that makes you? Special. Special. Here's another thing. Listen to this. Beware of selfish ambition. Got to be careful in this deal. There was a mom. Now listen, we're kind of hard on moms sometimes. And there's a story of a mom that that came in and, and, and had two of her sons, James and John. By the way, they were called the sons of thunder. Their dad was Zebedee, which means thunder. They were the sons of thunder. And they came in, and mom, mom came in, running interference, and approached Jesus and said, could you grant it that my sons, when you're in heaven, and when you've, when you've gone through can you grant it that my two sons will sit at your right hand? That's the place of honor. It's the place of power. Now, don't be too hard on mama. She's being a good mom. I wish all of our moms would run interference like that. Amen? We need mamas to work on our behalf. Amen? Nobody's saying amen. That's a good mom right there. She was, she was trying to help her sons out and trying to look for the right thing, trying to get them positioned. And Jesus said, ah, be careful. Be careful. He said, it's not even up to me. It's only up to God. You know what that tells me? God's working on something. God's in control, and He has ordered our steps. He's arranging where you will be. He, he's, he's ordered it. He's walked it out for you. Number three, God is intentional about you. But you must be intentional about Him. Let me tell you something. You want to look like Jesus? Because we all say it as Christians. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a little Christ. You want to look like Jesus? Then do something practical because Jesus did practical stuff. He healed people. We say, well, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can sure pray and try. You can sure ask. But you know, he did a lot of other stuff. He affirmed people. He encouraged them. He spoke life into them. He taught them. He coached them. He mentored them. He raised them up. He, he spoke things into them that made them walk a little taller. When they walk away, they knew they'd been in the presence of somebody. Have you ever met somebody that has a lot of authority and carries a lot of authority? And when you walk away, you go, wow, I feel like I've been in the presence of somebody big. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's an, almost an intangible. Simon calls it the X factor. You know what I mean? I got to meet General Buchanan. Uh, Michael, Bob, and Kim were out at a 
out at Perini Ranch the other night, and I got to meet General Buchanan, and I felt like I was meeting the President of the United States. Heck, I felt like I was meeting the President of the world. It was like, General Buchanan. I mean, this is a man that called the shots in the war, okay? And I got to meet him. I was like a little, I was starstruck. I was like, I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. Like, I mean, I might as well have been meet, meeting John Bon Jovi or somebody. So I was like, go, go, go. carried that weight, carried that authority, carried it. And you're just like, you know you're meeting somebody great. Let me tell you something, how God sees you. He sees you as somebody that you, he sees you how he created you to be. And that is the head and not the tail. Not the insecure, shy, introvert, fearful, stressed, tired, weak, afraid person you may feel like you are now. And God sees you and says, oh, oh, there's a diamond, there's a diamond, there's a jewel, there's a jewel, there's a diamond. God's intentional about you, but you've got to be intentional about him. You know... We resisted even doing this whole message around trying to just get you to do something. Oh, get in there and serve. Get in there, make a hand, you know. Many hands make a light load. Now, I believe all that, okay? Don't get me wrong. I believe it. But I want you to see there's something bigger to serving than just making a hand. There's something more than just getting a pat on the back or an attaboy. We don't do it for that. We do it because we love God and our natural response is, God, I love you so much, I just want to do something for you. And if I can serve your bride, I'm serving Jesus. I mean, that's what it is. So we serve out of that overflow and out of that love and that gratitude and that grace that we were talking about earlier. Here's making it real for real. I'm going to give you something real, real practical. You ready for something practical? In case I've been way over your head this morning. <laughs> Kidding. Get involved. Okay. Connect. Here it is. You're needed at Grace Point. We need you. You need us. We need each other. We're in this together. Quit saying your church when you talk to me. Don't say Pastor me. Your church. No, no, no. It's your church. We are the church. Own this thing. Let me tell you how you can own it. I just threw some stuff up there that that things that came to mind. You're created for good work. Start working. But here, here, you'll find your purpose, your identity, and your significance as you serve. It's amazing when you just do something. How all of a sudden you go, I think I feel like I was created to do this. Hauling a cooler out at the, at the picnic. Flipping burgers. Running a water balloon fight. That all sounds insignificant, but we find significance as we put our hands to the plow and go, God, this is such a joy. This is so much fun. This is awesome. Our staff has started cleaning the church. Every Tuesday. So we do staff meeting on Monday. We do creative meeting on Tuesday. Then we clean the church. And I remember having a mentality years ago, years ago, that, you know, we need to hire this done. We got to bring people into that. Wait a minute. This is our building. I clean my own house. Or at least I vacuum. I'm the vacuum guy and the dishes. So I got responsibility. Why shouldn't I have a responsibility here? Let me tell you something. Since we've been cleaning the church, and some of you have been volunteering because we have volunteers and life groups to do it. I don't know if you've done this or if this has happened to you, but I'm looking at stuff a lot more closely than I used to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going, who left that there? <laughs> Somebody's had to step over that to get the... Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're cleaning something, all the moms are going, oh yeah, preach. Now you're preaching. 
Seriously, there's an ownership issue. You want to serve, you want to grab hold of this thing, start doing something. Push a mop. That's my favorite thing. I'm all about floors. I'm a good floor guy. Man, I love cleaning the floors. Then somebody walks across my floor, I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? It's wet. You're messing my floor up. You know what I mean? Simple, practical things. I, get, I find purpose and identity. Let me tell you this. I find joy when we come up here and clean this church. Now, at 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning, it's kind of hot in here. You know what? We don't go turn all the air conditioners on, by the way. We just clean. And we sweat. And we go, wow. What a, I feel revived. I mean, like, lunch rolls around. I feel good. You know what I mean? Why? Because we did something. Number two, we'll close with this. Service is leadership. Leadership is initiative. This is where I'm going, but I'm, not, I'm going to be nice, okay? I'm full of grace. This is a grace point. If you see something that needs to be done, do it. Don't think, well, I wonder whose responsibility is to pick up that beer can out of the parking lot. I wonder who's going who's gonna to pick that piece of trash up as you step over it to go to church. I've got to go get my praise on. I got to go worship Jesus. Oh, wait, who? Somebody needs to clean that up. What is nobody taking care of this place? Woohoo! Glory! Dare I go to the bathrooms? This is where me, daddy, spanks you, child. If you are over four years of age, this is for you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. My mom and my daddy taught me to take care of stuff. I'll speak to the boys first. The men, excuse me. Boys, whatever. In this moment, it's the boys. This is practical faith, guys. This is, this is down-to-earth stuff. This is where life, rubber hits the road. Here's the deal, guys. Simple things. If you use a towel... There are three, count them, three trash cans in our bathroom. How many, how many did I just say? Three. three. Three trash receptacles, if you want to use proper English. I do not understand why a grown man cannot take their paper towel and put it in a trash receptacle. Do you understand how this works? Should I demonstrate? No. Put your trash in the trash can. If you splash water on the mirror and you're going, somebody needs to clean that up. Listen, this is not a hotel, folks. This is God's house first, our house second. And that tells me that we need to steward and take care of everything about this house. Simple thing. After Boys, after you use the bathroom and you walk out of a stall... Do you know there's a door on that thing? Do you know if you leave that door open and you walk into that bathroom dark, you could plant your, uh, you could break your nose on that door. So, are y'all hearing me? I know this is not real spiritual, <laughs> but actually it is. It really is. We take care of and we steward God's house. We take ownership in what we're doing and we take. Listen, in the right way, we take pride in it. 
Look, we know this building down here on Second Oak isn't the prettiest building in town. My gosh, I drive by David McQueen's church. It's becoming the Taj Mahal down there on Beltway. It's like, oh, it's massive, unbelievable. I mean, they didn't just add a church. They added four of them. I mean, it's just like massive structure. And then there's a Nazarene church. I mean, just, I, mean I look around and just go, wow. But let me tell you what. This is what God gave us to steward. And as long as we're here, if God airlifts us somewhere else in the city, praise God, there's a word about it. We'll see. When it happens, we'll know it. But let me tell you, until then, we don't disdain what we have. And we say, you know what? This is mine too. You drive up in that back parking lot and you see something out of sorts, just take care of it. Simple things. Closing doors, turning lights off. I mean, guys, how practical does faith get? It gets really practical. It's called stewardship. It's called serving. And we simply serve. And Let me give you a real deep spiritual principle. Leave it better than you found it. I'm so glad my daddy taught me that at a young age. Leave it better than you found it. That's how you serve. Don't just do the minimum. Don't just check the box. You know, when we clean the church, there's a check box, but... We're not just checking the boxes. We're looking for beyond that and go, well, how can we make that better? And how can we be more efficient with that? And how can we... Don't just check the boxes, folks. Is this too real? Let's have our worship team come up. (laughs) On that note, we're going to (laughs) worship. Folks, this is real. Stop waiting to be told. And the reason I say that is because I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are a leader. We are a leadership culture and leaders take initiative. So you don't have to ask permission to take initiative. I have never gotten on to anybody for cleaning too much, taking care of things too well, stewarding too well and too efficiently. You will never be chided for that. Does that make sense? Say this, if it's to be, it begins with me. So the question for you today is, what can you do? What can you do? Do we have those service cards? Where are those? Can, you, can we? Do we have enough for everybody? I want you to bring those forward. We have something we prepared because... We wanted you to have an opportunity to respond to this. This is a different kind of message and a different kind of thing, but this is real. This is where it happens. So we've got our team, and they've got cards. We're going to pass these out and get these out to everybody. Everybody take one. And all it is, it's a simple menu, so to speak. It just says, hey, this is, this is what I might be interested in doing. This is one way I can, I can help. We had a person in our church that wanted to help and wanted to give, and, and she was limited in one arena, and she said, you know, I can't do this, but, but I can do this. It's unusual, but would you have a desire to do a daily radio broadcast on the number one radio station in Abilene? I was, had to think about it for about a half second. Yeah, sure. Well, I don't have much, but I can do this. And that's now getting our voice out to over 600,000 people every day. The gospel, words of encouragement. I don't know if you've heard it. They're called Grace Points. It's on Keene 105 and every morning at 9 o'clock. And it's just a word, a family minute, just to get out and encourage, encourage and build up and speak life over the city. 
Because by the blessing of the upright, the city gets lifted, it gets exalted, it gets prospers. And so they didn't have much to give, but they could get our voice out to 600,000 plus people a day. And you may be thinking, I don't have much to give, but I could do that. I, oh, wow, it's amazing. We actually need that done. You would not believe how God orchestrates these things. That, that bead, where is that beautiful thing? I, I love that, that Donna made. That's, that's incredible. Can I see that? I want, I want us to go into worship with this image in our mind. Thank you. It's awesome. I want you to look at this. All this woven together, put together, different gems, different, from different things, different materials, all put together to make something beautiful. That's what we are. That's what we do. I looked out at the park and I thought, my gosh, we're a motley crew. I was looking at us going, whoa, look at this group of people. Where else on earth could you get like every nation together and, and just to go hang out and play volleyball and have a good time and eat and fight flies and heat? And all? Where, would, where could you gather people? No, Grace Point. We know we're different and praise God for it. Amen? Because we just work together somehow. We've actually had people ask us about, how do y'all do a multicultural church? And we're like, we don't know. We've never really thought about it. We're just open to what God wants. Well, there's got to be a way, a formula. I, mean, I get these questions all the time. I'm like, no. We just show up and God shows up and we do life together. And we often step on each other's cultural toes. And we say stuff that's inappropriate. And we offend and we hurt and we do all those things. But we're still together. Amen. And I looked out at the park here and said, oh, wow, connecting, growing, and serving. Just a bunch of people coming together to go, Lord, I think you have a purpose for us.